So the big question is, how do these well-established brands, marketing geniuses and elite entrepreneurs market their products in the marketplace while remaining extremely profitable? How do they get more results out of their marketing efforts? Well, this podcast will give you the answers. So come along my journey as I learn, apply and share today's best marketing shortcuts by diving deep into the minds of the elites. I'm your host, Shannon, and this is the Conversion Shortcuts for E-Commerce. And now, let's dive into today's episode. What's up, Conversion Squad? What is good? I have another special guest for you guys today. Well, he's a co-founder of Make Ads Funny Again, aka you can find him at comedy.io. He's the host of Win With With podcast as well. But he called himself Mark, just a marketing dude on IG. Let's welcome Ben Wilson on Conversion Shortcuts podcast. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Amazing. We're just talking prior to this. Like this man, uh, name is so I think so special, and you can find a lot of things about him, even if it isn't him himself. But we'll <laughs> dive more into that as well. So Ben, um, welcome on the show. And before we dive all into the juicy content today, like I uh, told you prior to this re- um, getting recorded, is this show is all about um, getting anything and everything off your mind that you know about conversion, more sales, more money into the pockets, more impact. Um, but before we dive into that, I want to give people, and I want and I like to give people some context as well. Like, um, so yeah, before we start, you want to say anything? I, I feel like yeah. I'm talking a lot. No, <laughs> the idea of, so I've been, I've been doing marketing for, Oh my gosh, I think I started my first company. So I started my first company when I was 15 years old. Uh, I remember like I had to have my dad drive me to the store. I couldn't drive to go and get the t-shirt. So it was, a, it was a clothing company that I made. And I started falling in love with the idea of marketing it. So there's a lot of different pieces of business. And the thing that really makes any business thrive is the marketing. Marketing is the lifeblood of any business. As soon as you stop marketing, it doesn't matter what, how good of a system you've got. Um, someone doesn't know about it, they're not going to buy it. Um, and so that became more of a specialty as I kept creating different businesses over the years and either it was a joint venture partnership or um, going and working with high level clients on like an executive level, like fortune 500 companies. And it was marketing really is it like it, that's what you've got to get into. If you really want to like move money and have cash flow, marketing is a big amount of that, that, that flow that happens, right? For sure. And so over the time I started like, there's a lot of these gurus that pop up and they're like, oh, you gotta do Facebook ads, you gotta do Instagram ads, you gotta do YouTubes or uh, like SEO and Google ads. And there's all these different things that you could do. And so I was really curious, like what, in order to make a dollar online, what actually do you have to do? Do you have to do all those things? Do you have to make a hundred YouTube videos. You have to have all these like amazing websites and you have to know how to like rank keywords. And do you have to like, uh, put thousands of dollars back into ads? Like how do you actually generate money online? And so that became my quest. And so I, I, along with you, right. Became fascinated by what creates conversion. So I made a podcast talking and documenting about that for 
Um, I think I did like a hundred episodes, maybe like 50 got released and another 50 that I just put in my own vault, right? Things that I was like, that's really cool. I learned something. Um, the major piece that I really did figure out though is be human, right? The more that you can be a human, the more that other people are going to see you as a human. The less like strategies and tactics and all these like little uh, game changer things like, oh, you, you made the color blue of the button versus red like that converse. Like, yeah. no, man, the more you show that you're a human, the more people are actually going to trust that you're a human. And that's really hard though. How do you show as a brand that you're human? How do you show that you've got this organization and it's built around people working together to help provide for you like a product? And so the more that you can get closer to that, that hole of like, I am a, uh, I'm a, I'm a human being just like you. And these are the things that I can do to help you. Then the more people are going to trust you. Now, the ways you show that is like social proof. So, um, that's the number one highest converting factor, social proof. We made a, a landing page once and put it all in Chinese and presented it to people in America. And, uh, the only thing that we didn't change was the headline and then the testimonials. Everything mm. else was in a, in a foreign language. And our conversion rates didn't drop. People actually still trusted. Hey, I see this person. The video that we made was in English. The testimonials were in English. And the headline, right, was in English. So as long yeah. as someone felt comfortable, like, okay, these guys are human. Maybe my screen's making these, like, Chinese characters. I have no idea. But I trust, right, that what this person's doing, they're telling me the truth. And that these other people, these other social testimonials are also believing or helping me believe that this guy's capable of what he's telling me that he's, that he's doing. Right. Yeah. And so that was the biggest aha moment of the mm. closer you can be to being a human and having other humans tell you that you're a human. That was it. <laughs> awesome, man. I think, well, guys, there was a podcast for a day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think we can, I think there's a lot of um, areas and, 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 and a field we can dive into right now. Um, I know I've noticed of, I know I read about yourself that you're like the buddy. I don't know if you guys know, like Steve J. Larson. I will probably have it on the show as well. <laughs> but he was like the guy that Steve began with. Um, he was looking on his stripe. How, how long ago was that, that you were like in the- Oh, geez, dude, that was, uh, so I was, I was running an event company at the time. I was doing all the marketing for them. And we, uh, I mean, we're doing these events with like <laughs> 5,000 people. So I was already doing marketing, but I was in college studying marketing. And I wasn't learning anything in these classes and not to put aside like college is good. College is helpful to help you learn how to learn. But the stuff that I had already figured out in marketing, I was like, what they were teaching was just, I could just tell it wasn't really going to be applicable, nor was it really relevant. Like it felt like yeah. it was this outdated information. So Steve was sitting next to me in like the, one of the first early weeks in class and he was trying to set up Stripe and I just set up Stripe. Now, this is like the old days of Stripe, man. It's not like the easy stuff that they have now. It was like, you have to take code and you have to put it on one part of the page. You have to take another part of code and you have to put it in like the back part of the mm. website. And you have to take like another part and you have to like create a token. And it was a headache. And so he was trying to do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I just figured this out. And uh, maybe like a month or two before. And so I knew the struggle he was going through. Re like leaned over and was like, Hey man, I could totally help you with that after class. And, um, it was funny. That was probably 2012, 2013. Wow. Almost like um, 
nine, ten years ago. Seven, almost. yeah, seven years yeah. ago, I guess. But this is before. I mean, ClickFunnels didn't exist. WordPress was the main way that you would do. It. WordPress mm. was like the really, really cool. Yeah. Like it's still kind of cool now, but like yeah. at the time, it was like, dude, you could build a website without having to know all the HTML code mm. and that kind. Of, and it was like. Yeah. That was like the big transition. Oh my gosh, WordPress. <laughs> gotcha. I love that, man. And I know in your in your uh, early days, basically, uh, I want to kind of tell the audience like the failures, like one of your failures that you kind of remember that shape who you are today. Like, oh, dude, there's a lot of failures. I know, but like the way more failures than there are. Some- I know, but the one that kind of shape you to, you know what? Because the, the, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm asking this question is because I know for a fact when I started out is you look so much, quote unquote, success around you on IG, on Facebook, on YouTube, and then you kind of fall into this trap of comparison. Then you realize it's all like it's all highlights, right? But most people think that, you know what, in order for me to get there, I should I need connections. I need to have everything figured out. And I think learning from failures kind of are like more useful and impactful than learning from successes in a way. So that's why, yeah, that's why I ask like what, what failures like one or two, like if you want to mention all the (laughs) them, but like one of, (laughs) yeah, like what Uh, failure kind of shaped you into the person you are today? I think, you know, if, if I, it's hard to pick one and I'll tell you why it's hard to pick one because every time you fail, yeah. it's failure is the most data rich information that you can get. So it is better to run a thousand miles in the wrong direction than it is to, to think out your next couple like steps yeah. because you'll never figure out all your steps before you take your journey. So you just got to mm. take your journey. And sometimes you just slip you fall and you got to reassess every time you fall. But the idea is to not just stay still. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs or people getting into the entrepreneurship game, they want to know everything. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I get, I should publish. I get, I should, uh, I should find maybe a partner, maybe like my first customer, but like, I need to have a website before that I do. I need to have like my LLC set up and I need to have like a briefcase, like whatever the dumb excuse is, there's always something that you come up with and go, Oh, I have to have this in order to get to that next step. Um, or in order for me to take the next step, but really with the entrepreneurship, the game that we're playing here is you might know maybe two steps in front of you. That's it. And you got to take that step and then the next step. And then you probably don't even know where that third step is. You got to take that as well. And you eventually you start walking into this darkness and maybe a couple steps get uncovered and maybe there's a few steps that you can see along the way that other people have lit for you and said like, yeah. Hey, this is what I just figured out. And most of the time, I think when we listen to podcasts or we uh, look at like the Russell Brunson's of the world, we're like, dude, we're so far behind. But you got to yeah. remember like they're taking steps into their own darkness and they're just lighting the pathway behind them. That's mm-hmm. really what they're doing. So a lot of the times we're trying to go, okay, like, I don't want to fail all the times that they failed. I want to like, I want to get to where they're at without failure. And that right there, that's the biggest lie that we tell ourselves. Cause the way that they got to where they're at, they had to fail over and over and over and over, you know? Yeah. So one of my 
big, big changes that happened is I started a business with a really good friend of mine and we had built an agency around, uh, working with prosthodontists. Now, most people who have, have no idea what a prosthodontist is, they think it's like a, like a proctologist, like a yeah. guy's got fingers going in your rear. But really, these guys work on these full, full mouth restorations and mm. no one knows about it. So we thought we found this really cool niche. Like there's 3,000 of these people in the United States and what they work on is called the $50,000 smile. So it's like high end, high ticket. If you can bring someone into their practice, like they're going to make a lot of money and right, it just becomes a revenue split at that point. So it's helping to generate patience for those people. Well, after about a year of building this, I mean, we, we started building, we started growing, we started working and actually started working. I think a lot of times in, in business, we, we hope for the business to work. This started working, but I really wasn't enjoying the type of clients that we were attracting. They were very much, uh, doctors are hard to work with because the way that they come into any situation is they take control. And so when you're working and you're helping them produce their marketing, they want some sort of control and it's hard for another age, like it's hard for a business to give up control of their marketing. Right. Yeah. And so those, working with those guys was, was a little difficult. Number two, it was working, but I wasn't happy doing what we were doing. Like we couldn't take the risks that I wanted to because we were working inside of healthcare inside of a very specific type of healthcare. And there are certain regulations and limitations as to what you can advertise. And I just felt like my creativity was really, damned. And so we're making money every month. We were growing. We had a little team that we, we had and uh, we could work the hours that we wanted, but I was working like 18 hours a day. I was just grinding, just kept pushing and pushing because that's what you're told to do as an entrepreneur is you're just hustle and hustle and hustle. And one day you can like finally do the things that you want to do. And that's where I think we have it backwards is because uh, what happens is I ended up getting really depressed, like really really depressed to the point that I didn't want to get out of bed. I laid in my in-laws basement. My wife got her dream job and moved to New York city. So it was just, just me in her parents' basement. And I felt like I had built this job that I couldn't get, I couldn't fire myself from my own business. My business partners relying on me. My clients are relying on me. My staff's relying on me. And what am I supposed to do? Right. Just keep pushing into this job that I, I built and I hate. And, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we don't realize that success climbing up the wrong mountain is just as detrimental. In fact, sometimes yeah. it's even more detrimental because you've built something and it's working. And there's money coming in, but, and you're relying on that money. Um, and it's really hard to just walk away from it. You really yeah. kind of can't. So the failure wasn't necessarily that it, it, the business itself failed, but rather sometimes we climb a peak we walk up that peak and we realize we're on the wrong mountain and exactly. it's really hard now that you're up there looking down going, man, all those roadblocks and stumbling blocks that I've jumped over. I never asked the question, is this the thing that I actually want to do? And mm. I feel like that right there is a, a bigger failure, but just as important to question that as opposed to like what strategies and tactics and what new courses come out of like, Oh yeah, you can grow a business, but is it the business that you actually want to do? Do you wake up excited about it and energetic and, and are you happy with the type of people that you work with? Cause if you're not, it's just like every day you're adding like a new rock to like a backpack that you're wearing and yeah. you aren't taking one out. 
you're just adding it on and going, nope, this is part of the business, it's part of the business. Eventually you get weighed down and that's where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, either maybe they hit it later in life, maybe they, they do the business for 20 years and then they question it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that it happened in like a year because it really made me step back from my, my life and made me question what is it that I really want to do, you know? I think um, despite um, everything you went through, I think everything happens for a reason. And the mm -hmm. reason I say that is I think most entrepreneurs, like you said, kind of uh, they escape the nine to five or they escape their corporate job or whatever. And they kind of build their own <laughs> a job, their own corporate job. And it's very, I think it's, it's easier to escape a boss than you as a boss, because otherwise like, and I think that's one of the reasons why most entrepreneurs have depression, have anxiety attacks, have uh, suicidal thoughts and all that of that emotional roller coaster that they go through basically. And um, I, I had it with my, with my own agency in the beginning as well. When I started like a Facebook ad agency, just serving uh, gyms, local gyms here in Holland. And at some point I was like, you know what? It's good. The money's coming in. It is like I, I was like making like six figures yet, but it was like up there, you know? And at some point I was like, you know what? I don't really, I don't love this, man. Even though I, I love, I'm getting money, I'm getting paid. But the thing that I've loved to do was building the strategy to get people in like the funnel, like the sequences and everything like that, instead of like just running ads for people. And when I realized that, that's like where I transition into, you know what, I will just focus on funnels. And if somebody wants ads, sure, I can refer you and show you some people I work with. But like, for me, it's just like building the funnel, email sequences and like something that really like wakes you up in the morning and no matter the pay or Oh, if it's free or paid, I will do it regardless, you know? And I think most yeah. people get into, I need to make money, even though, yeah, you have uh, uh, pays, uh, bills to pay and everything like that. But I think it's more important for your own sanity and for your own peace of mind to get rich by doing something you eventually love, not the yeah. trade, you know? So <clears throat> let's dive more into, because when I first I read your copy, um your your ig handle i was like i think i followed this guy somewhere it was on my facebook and then i went deeper into all that and something kind of caught my eye on your website on comedy.io so we're going to go deeper into that okay but, yeah, yeah. but how did that how did that uh, idea came about like did you all like because what were you doing before this agency yeah, that story, that yeah. patient remaker is what I was doing before comedy. Uh, and then you and, just... um, it's funny, everything does happen for a reason, right? And I was running yeah. a thousand miles in a direction and I found out, dude, this is not the direction I want to be running in, but I'm glad that I ran, right? Because I wouldn't I wouldn't know the next thing that would come up, which ends up being comedy. And how I find yeah. out about it is as I'm laying in the basement and I'm depressed. I start watching comedy specials mm. so like Joe Rogan and Tom Segura and Chris D'Elia, right? And I'm yeah. just watching it to, to liven myself up and to feel happiness. And so I'm fascinated, like how these guys are able to take you on a story and you like, you forget about everything else that's going on. And if you watch a comedy special, that you really, really like, and 
not all comedy specials are going to work for every single person, but you're going to find something that's funny in some different comedians, right? Yeah. And when you do that and they, and the, the comic is really good at what they do, they'll take on the story and you forget about your surroundings. That was fascinating. Like, mm -hmm. whoa, these guys can tell a story and I'm laughing every seven seconds and I'm really captivated and I'm waiting and I'm holding on to every single word. And I realized like, dude, as a marketer, like we wish we could do that. We mm -hmm. wish we could tell someone and bring them on this journey with us and go, Hey, every single step along the way, you're going to just be holding on to what I'm saying and I'm going to help you make your life better. Right. Comic is to make your, your life happier. That's what they're doing. They're here to, to make you think about things in different ways and make you look at life in a different perspective. And along the way, you also laugh. Well, as a marketer, that's exactly what we're trying to do with a brand or with a product. And we're like, we're trying to show someone, hey, this product can help you with your life or this service or this whatever it is that you're selling. How could it help you with whatever you're trying to accomplish, whether it's on a small level or on live your entire dreams, right? And so that was the first like, whoa, yeah. these guys are really good at what marketers wish we were really good at. Um, and I've always, I, I love the Harmon brothers. Those guys are some mm. of my, they produce some of my favorite ads like Squatty Potty or the Poopery. Oh, nice. Um, but they also, the one thing that really got to me was, do they charge half a million dollars just for, just to get started on an ad? Mm. And I thought, how could I do what the Harmon brothers do and respect what they've done? I mean, they've really paved Beefed the way in the info yeah. product and in the infomercial space, but like making people laugh. But how do we like bring that same thing to like the everyday marketer? How could we talk with more brands and, and be able to leverage a lot more of uh, a comedian's talents, but mix them with marketers and, uh, I ended up partnering with an amazing, amazing, uh, my business partner is so cool. She, so she's the CEO. She is all, she was already working on a business and we met in New York city. So my wife was in New York, right? Ended up making my way out there and uh, I was still working on patient remaker on the side, but still like trying to do something with, I was like, I don't know if it's story that I want to get into or like how to, uh, like how to help a brand arc their story and like bringing customers in. And, um, I met, met her just through a, a net a contact and like a, a networking event. And, um, she was working on some really cool business with comedians and she already had this database of comedians. And I was like, Whoa, like someone else has kind of figured out that there's this world of comedians and uh and to bring them into the business world and how could we do it and so we ended up partnering we made comedy.io and um it feels like a good yin and yang right now yeah. i wouldn't have that situation happen unless yeah. patient yeah. remaker existed and i failed and it didn't go right and i got depressed right yeah so it's funny like i'll tell people you should go get depressed you should yeah. go and <laughs> i think cause things to be anxious yeah for like that's that for a fact and i think when people think like I've got friends that like acquaintances in this case that you know what I will figure try to figure everything out because I want two things to be as perfect as as possible and I'm sitting there asking myself but let's say you plan your your life in 10 years right and you make that first mistake like everything will be crushed because 
you're like kind of you didn't see that one coming and that's life and i think like you, you said the best if the it's better to go with motion to go left instead of right than standing still hoping to going right you know right. so yeah. i love that man i love that um make ads funny again like oh so let's go into that man i know yeah. you work with some great better brands as well like philips um i got like philips bounce amazon metlife so are these brands um literally like you guys make the whole sketch for them or how does partnership like that work so for those those bigger ones they're all a little different like for amazon web services we did an event with them where we Mm -hmm. helped them craft like their presentations and made sure that there was a little bit of humor inside of what they were doing uh with phillips it was about like an mri machine so Mm -hmm. it was like how to present this cool new mri machine that to like a very specific audience that they already had um so it's taken a little while it's not like we like came up with the idea and all of a sudden it was like all right we know exactly what we're doing yeah. Uh, we just started saying yes. If someone gave us an opportunity, we obviously wanted to work with, with brands, but we just said yes. We're like, we don't know exactly what we have, but we, were, we feel like we're moving and, and it's moving and we might be moving in the wrong direction, but I, I want to know what doesn't work, right? Yeah. Elon Musk had this really cool saying. He was on Joe Rogan and Rogan asked him about uh, his rockets and he was asking like, how many explosions have you had? Um, and Elon said, that's supposed to explode. We're trying yeah. to make sure that we know all the reasons why it's going to explode. And that's where we're at right now. So mm-hmm. that's what I feel like we're in, in comedy.io. It's like, we're just trying to see what are all the re all the ways that we don't want to have this work, but we're not going to know until we start working. So exactly. we've done work with um, agencies. We've supplied agencies with comedians and helped them to just write scripts for their clients ads. Mm. Um, we've got copywriting services. And so if someone's already got an idea and they want that idea, like tweaked a stand up comedians really good. Their economy of words is amazing. So yeah. we'll pair them up with like a stand up comedian. If they are lacking ideas, we'll pair them up with like a group of improv comedians who are really good at coming up with ideas rapidly. We'll come up with a hundred ideas by noon. You know, and so if you need help trying to think like, how else could we present our product? Improv comedians. How could we, uh, if, um, if you want to know, like, how could your ad work visually, a sketch writer would be great for that. These are the guys who work on like any late night show you can think of, like Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, Saturday Night Live. And they're visually trying to make sure that this makes sense, uh, that it's funny that way, not just auditorially, you know? Yeah, that's that's crazy because I think for the last week, week and a half, right now I'm trying to figure out because I want to be better at storytelling. I want to be get like I love com- comedies. Like uh, I'm more of like the new school, so Kevin Hart, more yeah. of uh, how so Dave Chappelle. Like it's like old school, but Dave Chappelle. But now I'm getting more into how's the Italian guy? Oh, this name. I know, like it's something Sebastian, like, exactly. Something like that. Like, yeah. I'm getting more into those type of uh, uh, place as well and, and stand ups as well. But I think the great thing about comedies is not only the way of, I think it's, it's one of the hardest job <laughs> to, so to make people laugh. <laughs> like people can be very cold sometimes, you know? <laughs> I think we assume that uh, if you ever go to like a live comedy show, right? And it's not yeah. a big name person. 
I think we automatically just assume this person's not going to be funny. And so we yeah. like fold our arms, we sit back and we're like, what are you going to tell me? And it makes it hard for the comic, right? They've got to yeah. uncross your arms. They've got to get you to sit forward. They've got to get you to care about what they're saying and they have to deliver it in a way that's makes sense for the whole audience, you know? Exactly. I love you said that because I think this ties a lot and good into the next topic I want to bring in as well is the same thing as online advertising. Like I think it's like the same play. Like we have, we are seeing so much ads, so much um, like little like promises, big bolts. And I believe all ads need to do is kind of unfold your like just like in stand up, you know, unfold you, kind of like get you into their world. So what do you think makes ads converge? Like how can a people I don't know my first question, how what do you think makes ads convert best? Yeah, great question. So um let's go back a little bit. So before we know what makes it convert, right? Let's go and figure out like what what already exists. So the if you think about like social media algorithms, the way that it's designed is to get you to be upset, right? Yeah. So the same if you go into your Facebook and the reason why we had like 2020 and the disaster that that was, was because the algorithm was working really well. You have a topic and we're just going to present whatever is going to outrage you. That's what we're going to show you because you're going to spend more time on our app. Because of that, we can then continue sure. showing you ads. The longer you spend on our app, the more ads we can show you. So the more we can get you upset, the more you'll spend time commenting back and forth and coming back to see who replied to your comments and who's upset with blah, 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 right? The more ads we can show you. So they don't really care about what the ad is. That's what's mm. hard to compete with. You're competing with people who are already upset <laughs> and that's why they're on the app. Yeah. So that's a hard part to, to your, I, it doesn't matter what you post. If it doesn't upset someone, it's really hard to get their attention. So, You can go the opposite way though. Can I show you something that you love and love so much that you'll be, you'll love it more than hating something else, right? Mm. That's a weird predicament to be in. Yeah. So in order to do that, there's a couple ways, right? So the first is, I mean, we're, we're visual people, right? Think about Instagram, not many words. And sometimes if there's too many words, we just, we keep scrolling. Yeah. It's like we're visual people. So the first thing you want to do if in grabbing someone's attention It's got to be visually appealing. Something's got to just snap them out where they, they, uh, they're almost confused by what they're seeing and that's why they're sticking around. So creating an open loop. If you learn about psychology, right, there's open loops and closed loops. So the more open loops you can create, the more, the longer you're going to get someone to stick around for, right? So questions also are very good because questions will hijack your mind. Yeah. So if you have a visual opening, right. And a question, very good to now get someone to start leaning in and go like, I have to find out what the answer is. Mm -hmm. So the more open loops, right. More questions, more kind of just ominous things you can talk about at the same time, you can start presenting the product as the solution. As long as you continue opening loops. Now, every product is going to be a little different. I think uh, Squatty Potty did a great job with this. This is a pooping unicorn, right? <laughs> what the heck is a pooping unicorn yeah. got to do with anything? And so you're now curious, what am I looking at, right? And I can't remember the exact opening line, but it's something along the lines of like, 
uh, like, I don't know, like sherbet flavored ice cream, maybe. I think it's some, I can't remember exactly, but I know there's the hook that they have with that really sucks you in. And, and once they start making you laugh, you're going to stick around. The weird part, though, is that it doesn't have to be overly funny. Like, if you were to actually break down the scripts that really work, it's not even comparable to like Kevin Hart or Dave Chappelle. Like you're not going to be laughing the exact same way, but we're surprised that a brand would make someone laugh. And that's where our big aha moment happened with comedy. It was like, even if, if it's like lighthearted, it's enough because someone's, someone's kind of asking the question, like, why would a brand do this? You know? Yeah. And that's what sucks them in. Mm, nice man nice um and let's i think you you also you guys work a lot with e-com brands as well like like physical products so the, this show is also like kind of catered to them especially the the ones that are kind of stuck at the six figure level i want to scale past the seven and eight uh level so what can a brand right now do if they're leveraging any type of ads what can it do to just sell more like convert yeah. more Um, great question. So aside from trying to get your audience to laugh and comedy can fall flat, right? It's not going to work every single time. I think it's part of the risk. And, and I feel like comedians and, and entrepreneurs were cut from the same cloth. Like yeah. you just, you got to see where the line's at. You got to see where people are and, and what is it acceptable? What's not acceptable at the same time. Like that's what a comic's doing, right? Like Can I say this? Can I not say this? Yeah. As an entrepreneur, what we're, we're doing is going, I'm, here's a product. Do you want it or do you not want it? And if you do want it or you don't want it, like what don't you want about it? Is it the whole thing? Is it some of the things? Um, and so we're, we're just kind of always testing the lines, whether it's in, as a comedian or an entrepreneur. The other part is it feels like you're jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. And so mm. when it comes to like, advertising and making money online everything's a little different right the way that you structure it could be very different uh with uh let's say here's a good thing like my friend's product is called night caddy i helped i i like i performed in the ad i like i wrote it and wrote it with a comedian um and we made a lot of money off of it it was really surprising how bad the quality was like i filmed it off of my iphone um i put it in my New York city apartment. There was no like set to it. And, uh, there's like kind of poor lighting, but it sold really well. And so the idea behind it was, um, could you make more money by just making these like dumb little videos? That was one, yeah. one thought how to make more money if you're already making money. Um, so I would definitely follow Russell Brunson's like three, three part structure of a funnel, which is like your hook, your story, your offer. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Something's not working there. Um, start with your hook. Make sure that people understand why they're on the page or, or sucking them into something. Um, and then I would focus on your offer. Uh, if the offer doesn't make sense according to the price, right? You're just kind of connecting. Does the perceived value of this match up with the amount that they're willing to pay, right? So the yeah. offer is important. Um, and then I would work on that story. Does the story add enough context to what I'm saying Uh, or what's being said about this product or, or showing really the, the usefulness behind it. Yeah. The, the more we talk about the product, actually, the less people are interested. So we actually talk about them 
And in order to talk about them, we talk about us. And, the, and that comes from Ray Edwards. It's a fascinating subject because we want to talk about our product. We want to talk about our business. But the way we can do it is we talk about other people and the use that they found of our product. Yeah. And so that's a story that we tell. Now, that's if you think about like Harmon Brothers yet again, that's what they're doing, right? The, the poopery is some British lady. You have to use the bathroom, yeah. right? She's proper. The way you perceive her using the product is a story of her using the product, but the story's still about poopery. Does that make yeah. sense? 100%. And, and the same thing that, <clears throat> excuse me, the same thing on my, with my agency as well, like what we do is kind of, um, most of my, our clients have like this Shopify or like WooCommerce website. And what we do is kind of we build an upfront funnel for them uh, for just acquiring new customers, right? And the one thing we kind of hit every time and the one thing that most clients have in common is one, they're all are kind of offering free plus ship, uh, no, a, a free shipping after like 50 bucks above order 50 bucks or the 10, uh, $10 discount or 10% discount. Like those are the two main quote unquote offers that all e-com brands that we work with has in common. So yeah, hard to stand out that way. Yeah, exactly. So what you're saying basically is one have an offer uh, that kind of uh, makes sense with your hook, like the reason why you're doing or like selling what you're selling, but also tying it with a great message, showing people what's in it for them and how man, my, my first, um, I do have a question about the product you, you, you sold with your body. Why do you think it, it sold so, so well in the beginning? So two things. Uh, one, your target audience might not always be. So they knew their target audience was a college-age student. Yeah. But I looked at their data and their buyers were middle-aged women. So mm -hmm. it was like, your target audience is different than your target buyer. And, and sometimes that, that's going to happen. So the hypothesis was, okay, well, maybe it's moms buying it for their kids. So we're showing yeah. it to the kids, but the moms are buying it. What if we didn't show it to the kids and we just showed it to the moms, right? So now we're not wasting money on, on spending it to the audience that's, that's going to be using it. So think about it like this, like baby diapers. You're not showing the videos to kids. They're not yeah. buying diapers, right? You're going to show them to the parents. And that's a simple example. But sometimes in our marketing, it doesn't seem like it's as simple as that. And so figuring out your target buyer is a difference than your target user, right? Mm. That's a situation just to be aware of that. So that was specifically with them. Uh, your target audience is going to be a, a the person who's actually handing out their credit card, that person's got to be impressed with what you do. Yeah. And they have to see the use of what you're doing, even if it's if they're not going to use it, but the, someone else is going to use it. They've got to be sold on that connection. Hmm. Um, so the other part was, it came down to, I guess there's a, there's a lot of parts that do go into it. But in this case, the target audience mattered. And then the second part was the story that lined up with that target audience. So if you're baby diapers, yet again, you can try to convince a baby all day long to buy diapers. Right? Yeah. 
It doesn't matter if until you're blue in the face. You could show cartoons. You could try and entertain the baby. The baby won't take out their credit card because they don't have one, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It's funny, but at the same time, that's what happens in marketing. We show our product and we just blast it, blast, 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 right? We we create a base off of a demographic. We're like, well, our target audience is between the ages of 18 to 28, and they're a male, and and that's who we target. Look, an 18-year-old male is a very different person than a 28-year-old male. I know that like it doesn't seem like that, but like realistically, at 18, I was a very different person than who I was at 28. Yeah. The things that I'd buy, the things I'm interested in, the fact that I've even got money at 28 is very different than at 18, you know? For a fact. So, it changes. You got to be aware of more of your psychographics than your demographics. And that's another big part. You could take the same exact offer and just change the, the audience. And that's where you're going to make a lot of money. I think Dan Henry, that was one of his big aha moments of him going from like $0 to like 10 million was he just took the same author and he put it in front of a different audience. He didn't change yeah. the offer. He changed the audience. And that's where, he realized, oh, I'm I'm just now trying to get these buyers, yeah. not who I thought the original buyer was. But as a marketer, sometimes we, I don't know, we we try change the offer, we change the headline, we change the, the color of the buy button, we change the email sequence, we change like we change all these other things. What we don't change is the audience, and so yeah, um, that's a major part. <laughs> man, I love that, man. I love that as well. Like, guys, if you didn't get that like just like rewind like five ten minutes back because that one thing i got are three things make your decision based on data right you can i've seen this a lot as well like you, you can like be obsessed with your quote-unquote avatar like your ideal customers but if they aren't the ones buying there's no no sense or like reason to keep marketing to them right so first make an 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 clear decision based on your data and also have a clear distinguish between your buyers and which and who's your audience right so those are like two uh different things as well um i love that man i love that i love that uh, i don't want to keep um stealing more time of you but i do have i do have like one more last question for you yeah. but before i dive into that where can people find you a oh, great question. I think Instagram right now, I'm just pushing that. I think uh, I got excited about Clubhouse. Clubhouse, that app is really yeah. cool. So um, either Clubhouse or, or Instagram, that's where I'm really. And what's your handle? Ben on, on L. Wilson with two L. So B-E-N-L-L-W-I-L-L-S-O-N. Gotcha. Awesome, buddy. So the last question is, so let's say um, you have to create create a guide with your best top three uh, shortcuts tips for your younger self. So you're going back to prior to your agency and prior to all your business adventures and you're at a start. What uh, would be your best uh, three top three guides of conversions? Specifically to sell more or like personally? To sell more. Okay. So it's hard. I think I want to do three of three. So personally, okay. here's what I know about entrepreneurship. 90% of it's mental. Like 10% of it is like skill and hard work and determination, blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, or sorry, not determination, like strategy where you're actually like having the skill set go in. 90% of it though is 
can you handle the roller coaster of entrepreneurship? Because that right there is, if you can get that under control, the other 10% you can figure out. You really can. Um, I think most of us don't realize how much of a mental game the whole entrepreneurship field is. And uh, that's what happened to me. I didn't have a morning routine. I didn't have any personal uh, habits that were healthy. I was working those 18 hours a day. I wasn't seeing my family. I was, uh, I just wasn't taking time for me. And so first three I would focus on is develop a morning routine. Mm. For me, like mine's a little more rigorous just because I, I wanted to get off of relying on like ADD medication. And, uh, and so I, I kept structuring it more and more to get the same sort of focus that I could get off of medication, but without having to take the medication. So I could do it, you know, hundred percent natural. So for me, take a walk, right? Like go outside, get, get some outside air. Number two, I take a cold shower every day. It never gets easier. It's something that sucks every single day. Um, most people won't do it. They'll think, Oh yeah, yeah, cold shower. That, that sucks. And I'm not going to do it. I'll tell you, it only takes 30 seconds. It never gets easier. That's the big part about it. Sometimes we build a habit and it just gets easy. And so we do it and we forget about it. Cold showers for two and a half years now, I've only missed Christmas and Thanksgiving. So four days in the last two and a half years and it never gets easier. So every day I tell myself, right, I can do hard things. And the way that I know I do hard things is putting myself into uncomfortable situations and a cold shower is the fastest way to do it. Um, and then number three, some sort of like meditation or journaling. I do mm-hmm. both, but you could kind of get there with either of them. Like yeah. get thoughts out of your head as an entrepreneur. You probably are going to relate to this. How many times in the shower have you come up with a new business or how many times walking down the street? Are you like, Oh yeah, that's a good business idea. Or how many times yeah. are you like, Oh, I could do that. And I could do that. And I could do this. And, and this is an idea. And this is a great million dollar idea. And I could do this. That's, that's the entrepreneurship mind, right? Constantly yeah. going. Uh, journaling helps. Journaling helps you get that out of your head and go, you know, I initially thought that was a million dollar idea, but the work that it's going to take to get there is a lot harder. Yeah. Meditation can also help you do it because you can, you like kind of quiet that voice just for a little bit and you start to get to like what matters now. Mm. That's my transition. It's the next thing. Because a conversion, right, is like you could do lots of things in your business but what matters is very different than just going out and doing a whole bunch of things um for me personally i think i would tell people whether you publish yourself or you go onto other people's platforms one of the two so journaling for me is a way that i publish without necessarily like publishing like i just get my thoughts out all the time um, also I love going on like podcasts like this. This is so much fun for me because I get to get asked questions and think about things in a different way than I would naturally. And so the same, right. Kind of the same purpose of journaling, it comes up and then I think about it differently because, uh, I'm being asked the, the question from a different frame of reference. So I may not sound like that's going to help your sales, but it helps you to realize how you present yourself. And that right there is going to help your sales. So knowing how to talk about your product or your business or your life or whatever that is and clarifying that matters a ton. So Donald Miller has a book called building a story brand and it's all about how to clarify your message. Highly recommend that book because if you can clarify your message, 
people can understand what you talk about and what you do better, right? Yeah. So story, right? And I'm going to come back to that hook. The hook part of your of what's going to make you a lot, lot more money is the context of what you're telling people. Like, think about it like this. If uh, you want to have a conversation with someone, and um, if you don't give them any context as to what conversation you would like to have, it can go anywhere, you know? And so the purpose of a hook is to narrow down what conversation you would like to have as a brand. If you're saying, uh, like Night Caddy, for instance, the hook for that was how to get, or like how to save space. Gosh, I'm trying to remember it now. It was like so long ago. Uh, it's like how to, how to organize your bedside essentials without having a nightstand. And it was like, well, how else could you do it without a nightstand? You know, so there's some sort of like open loop there. But the conversation that we're having is about bedside organization and how to do it if you don't have space. So now that takes this whole part of the conversation and says, this is the conversation we'd like to have. If you'd like to have it, right, click the button. That's the hook, right? Now, visually, you're trying to figure out how to do it. The way that I did it in that ad was living in New York City, we had these like small ovens. It was like an easy bake oven, dude. It was like, yeah, yeah. it didn't fit anything in there. And so I thought, what if I took like a New York size pizza, which is like this huge pizza, and I folded it up and then I put it in there. It kind of give context for people who live in small spaces. Visually, they would like, they could relate to that. Yeah. And so that was my hook. It had nothing to do with the night caddy itself, the little organizer, but I could visually show I'm in a small space. You know yeah. what I mean? And so that brought people in. And then last, that offer that uh, we talked a little bit about, um, information is a really easy way to add 20 to 30% value right off the bat to whatever you're selling. So if you think of it like you're selling gym equipment on Amazon, you could have like, hey, I'll also add in a DVD of how to use the equipment. And it's got 30 routines, so one every day for a month. And I'll give you a chart. So you can even look at the chart. You don't even have to put in the DVD. You can just see what, what that exercise is for the day. Um, and I'll give you uh, a little bag to store the equipment in, right? So that's an offer. Mm. That makes it really easy without adding in a lot of cost, right? How much is a DVD to maybe print? Like a dollar? Yeah. Uh, how much is a little poster? Maybe like 50 cents. And that value now can go up 20, 30%. And now you're at a premium product competing against other people just selling the same equipment. So it's the yeah. fastest way to get your product to be sold because then someone sees that value and the perceived value goes up. Oh, I don't have to go onto YouTube and figure out how to use this equipment. I don't have yeah. to think about uh, what exercise I'm doing that day. I can just put the poster up. Oh, and, and I can keep my little package safe by this little bag. Maybe the bag costs you like 75 cents. So let's say it's like 250 all in and you can go take your price from $40 to like $60, right? And then the value of that is even higher because it's got this additional stuff to it. And so your hook story offer, man. Awesome. It's funny how Russell Brunson's it breaks down so easy, but it, it applies to getting conversions, adding the value and making sure people really love what you're selling them. Awesome. Man. I love that so much. It's, it's literally like my core of my company, man. I love that so much. And the way you kind of 
describe it as well and make it your three points. Um, guys, well, first of all, Ben, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, Shannon. This is great. Awesome, brother. And guys, Conversion Squad, see you on the next one. Bye-bye. <laughs>